0: praise the lord praise the lord please be seated hey amen we're in for a great year hey amen great year i'm just excited just really excited i want you to look with me in isaiah 43 isaiah 43 i want to bring a message decide don't drift decide don't drift i was uh, some time some years ago I took our family, went up to north, we had a particular place that was uh, lent to us so we could stay for a holiday, had a great holiday vacation, but uh, we decided to take two of the kids and go out and we would do some fishing in a little boat. It was a little wee dinghy, uh, probably about 10 feet or something like that with a little seagull outboard motor on the back and uh, so we took it out and there was an estuary that went out into a big open uh, uh, area, exposed area and uh, there was a sort of like a river. So we kind of went down the river, chugged away down the river, and got to the end of the river into the estuary mouth, and it was a great place there for fishing. Anchored the boat there and thought, well, this is great. I got the time of the tides. I thought, well, we'll be fine. We'll uh, just wait till the tide's sort of, uh, you know, gone out, and then we'll come back in. On the incoming tide, we'll go back up the river again. Sound all very good, reasonable plan. So I didn't uh, encounter, of course, that the, the weather might change rather quickly and uh, so anyway we're doing our fishing there and I began to notice the weather was coming up and that it was not going to be safe to be in a little boat and uh, so I made the decision then that we would up anchor and we would go back up the, the little river, it wasn't flying that fast back up to where we were, now of course the problem was the motor wouldn't start and I hate this with other people's boats when motors don't start, so I, I was stuck in a position, if we stayed where we were we'd be sunk by the storm if we decided to up anchor i'd have to row upstream and so <laughs> not a good choice is it eh? and uh, i was looking around all the options we could have so i decided i'd row now it's amazing thing when you row if the moment you let go and stop rowing immediately you go with the flow of the river the moment you stop rowing you or powered that motor, you go with the flow. It was easier to have a power motor than it was to row. I can tell you, well, I rowed, the wind was against us, the tide was against us, the river was flowing against us, and I remember there thinking, I'm not, we're not going to make this. I told the kids, get down, get down, get down, we're going to lower the wind resistance. They got down in the boat, and they're hiding in the bottom of the boat, and uh, they can't see the clouds I can see down there as I'm rowing. And, uh, but I could feel the pressure of the, of the river flowing. I just decided, we just go, I'm going to stick it, I'm going to give it my best. I gave it my best, and at the point where I thought, man, I can't go on any further, we broke round the corner, we were able to come back into the safety of the, the stream and come back up the stream, and we got through to safety. But I realized then, you know, how close it can be. If you don't decide and hold to that decision and stay on course, you will be carried by the stream. How many of you know that you're in a stream? Unless you decide, you'll be carried with that stream. You'll be carried with a stream that carries everyone else, and you'll end up where everyone else goes, unless you make decisions. I want to talk to you about deciding, not drifting. And we're going to look at a story out of the life of Jesus. Let's just start off with what it says in Isaiah, Isaiah forty three and verse eighteen to nine. Love these verses. Don't remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. Verse 19 Behold, I will do a new thing shall it not spring forth and shall you not know it I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So I believe we can really rejoice in the great things that God has done last year through Bay City. Man, we've had some amazing things happen. Our teams going to Uganda, buy land in Uganda. We've got a program to start to work with orphans up there. We've had teams go to Cambodia. We've had literally hundreds of people say many, many miracles. Lives change and impact it. We've seen hundreds of young people in here as a result of our outreach programs with the youth and with the uh, kids church. Last year was a great year. But how many know God doesn't want you to to dwell in the past. Rejoice in it. Rejoice in the great victories, but it's time to move on. God has new things planned for this year. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. So what new thing is God going to do in your life this year? Are you expecting new things to take place? I spoke with my brother, he was here uh, last year at Christmas time. In one year, his whole life has turned around in ways beyond what he could ever have imagined. And I wonder what will take place in your life in this coming year. Are you going to make a decision about those things, or are you going to drift and say, well, I'll just mosey along and see what comes to me? I tell you, there'll be a lot of things come to you you don't want. And uh, so we want to make a decision this year that our lives will go in the direction we have determined and purposed, not in a direction of circumstances or just the pressures of the crowd and people around us. Can you say amen to that? Don't settle for what you've had. Begin to start to stir up on the inside that God could do some great things through you this year. Amen? Hey, amen. Tell someone, God can do great things through you. Come on. It's a great year. This will be your best year. Or well, you could decide to be your best, yeah. <laughs> okay, I want us to look in John chapter 5. That's where we're going to go. I want to share with you five simple keys out of the story. And uh, every one of these keys are very simple. They're very things so you can actually apply. You can do them in your life. Easy to apply to life. I like it when we can apply what we're learning. Amen. Otherwise, you get full of knowledge. I want to read a story out of Jesus' ministry. It says in verse 1. So we read from verse 1 through to verse 15. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, obviously to that feast and celebration. There were hundreds there. Now there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, which had five porches. And there were a lot of, there was a multitude, not only a multitude, a great multitude. That's heaps and heaps and heaps of people. And uh, it says they were impotent folk, blind, uh, crippled, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool, stirred the water, and whoever was first into the troubling of the water and stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had and a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years and jesus saw him lie and knew he'd been there a long time said to him do you want to be made whole and the uh, the crippled man the impotent man said sir i have no man and the wind or the water is trouble he'll put me in the pool and while i'm coming another steps down before me jesus said rise up take your bed and walk and immediately the man was made whole took up his bed and walked And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews, therefore, said to him that was healed, it's the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he said, well, the one who made me whole said, take up your bed and walk. And they said, who was that man that told you, take up your bed and walk? He said, I don't know. The man who was healed didn't know who it was. Jesus had conveyed himself away, and there was a multitude in that place. And afterwards, Jesus found the man in the temple, said to him, behold, you are made whole. Do not sin or sin no more, lest a worse sin come to you. And the man departed and told the Jews, It's Jesus who made me whole. Of course, Jews weren't very happy about that. We'll see that in just a moment. (laughs) They decided they'd kill Jesus. Not everyone's happy when miracles happen. <laughs> so I want to have a look in the story of the first things we see through here. We see the, the Bible tells us this was a place called the house of loving kindness, the house of mercy. It was a place which literally had a title meaning the house where God pours out his kindness. And there was an unusual thing happened there. There was a miraculous occurrence would happen. An angel would come down to the pool and disturb the waters. When the first person leapt into the pool... They would immediately get healed. And of course, there were multitudes of people, just like there are today, multitudes of people in need. And the Bible tells us there were multitudes there who were blind, had no vision, unable to see, no direction in their life. That word blind literally means to be covered with smoke. to see a word used to describe people who don't know Jesus Christ. They have no eternal vision, no eternal perspective, no sense of reason for their life. They don't know where they're going in life. They're actually lost. A person who has no vision, terrible thing, you stumble, you don't know what you're stumbling over. There are multitudes of people around us like that without vision for their life, without God's perspective, desperately needing God to touch their life to do a miracle. The second, the Bible tells us there were people there who were crippled. That means they were lame, they were able to walk. There was something wrong that physically stopped them from walking. But there are people around you, perhaps there are some in our midst today, who are crippled, not just physically, but crippled in their thinking, crippled in their emotions, unable to walk or live out the life God called you to live. Perhaps you've had some incident in your past, could have been abuse, could have been some kind of tragedy, and you've never moved on. You're still crippled in your relationships or life because of what has happened. You are one of many, many people like that, held back from fulfilling their destiny because of something that happened in their life. Or the Bible tells us there were some there, and they were withered. Of you have you ever seen a person who's had a withered arm, where, the, where literally the muscles have all withered up, no life. No vitality, no energy. They can't operate. There's a lot of people like that. They have no life. They've never found Christ. They don't know what it is to have a life where there's a joy within. Their life is withered and barrenness is come into their life, sometimes because of bitterness. I found nothing withers a person more than bitterness. Perhaps you've some, had some situation, some experience, and it's left you feeling sour on the inside. And if you don't deal with it, you will become withered in life. And so the Bible tells us there were multitudes of people all waiting for something to happen. But in the middle of them, there was one man. And we want to just focus on that one man. I want to share with you several simple things out of this. Jesus saw him lying there and knew he'd been there a long time. One of the things about Jesus, interesting thing about Jesus is this. There were multitudes there, but one man got a miracle. Multitudes, but only one man got a miracle. doesn't mean that God isn't interested in everyone else, but there was one man that God touched that day. And perhaps for you, out of a multitude of people, you're going to be the person that God breaks into your life and God does something unusual this year. You've got to decide that. It's your choice. It's your decision. once want to have a look at this man. We're going to see some things. The first thing that Jesus said to him. Now, here's a man who's lying there crippled. And I want oh, you to see what Jesus' first question was, first statement to him was. Jesus saw him lying there. He knew he'd been there a long time. And he said, do you want to be made whole? That word, do you want or will you, means, it means literally to determine, to purpose, to choose, or to set your heart on something. To purpose, to determine, to choose, or to set your heart on something. And so here's the first, the first key. The first key is very, very simple. Decide, don't drift. Isn't it amazing? Here's a man who's sick. Why would you ask such a man a decision like this? Do you purpose in your heart? Or have you made a decision you're willing to be made whole? In other words, are you just going to let yourself just lay there? Are you going to make a decision that you will rise in your heart and lay hold of God and change? One of the things I've learned in life is that we are what we are, mostly by the choices we've made. One of the greatest gifts God has given you and me is he's given us a free will, the power to decide. You choose where your life goes. In fact, God so values that uh, aspect of your life. He enables you to choose whether you'll have a destiny with him, or a destiny separated from him. He gives you the right to choose. You choose what you'll do with your life. And every choice has consequences. So when Adam and Eve were in the garden, God gave them a choice. He said, here it is. You have all of these opportunities, but if there's one place over here, don't touch this. If you touch that, the consequence is death. You choose life or death. And We know the story, of course, how Adam and Eve chose death. You and I have choices in life. Every choice has a consequence. We can't change the consequences. We can change the choices. Whatever you're doing in your life right now is most likely the result of choices you made last year or the year before or the year before. Where you are in the future financially, in your marriage, in your relationships will be the result of choices you make today. And then other ones you make tomorrow and other ones you make the day after. Friend, you and I have the power to choose. Now, you can either drift. If you drift, that's a choice. It's a choice instead of laying hold of your life and being responsible for your life and determining where your life ought to go. It's a choice to allow circumstances and people and negative things to just take you wherever you're going to go, and we'll see what turns up. Friend, God has not chosen us to live a life like that. A life without purpose is a life which is wasted. God wants you to determine this year and next year where is your life going to go? What are you going to do with your life? Don't just drift along. Don't just be waiting for something to happen. Well, we'll just cruise and see what happens. Friend, that is not a purpose filled life. The purpose filled life is a life which is focused on God's core, God's destiny, and says, Today I choose God's plan for my life. Tomorrow, when I get up, I'll choose God's plan for my life and I'll keep choosing it until I walk into it and it's fulfilled friend do not drift don't drift with the crowd don't go along with the crowd that says oh well she'll be right mate No, no, no. If you have the attitude, she'll be right, mate. You'll go with all your mates wherever they go. You'll drift in the stream with the crowd. But God has chosen us something better than that. He has chosen you and he's got something for you to accomplish with your life. But you've got to choose day by day. Friends, you don't just have a good marriage. You choose and build a good marriage. You just don't have a great relationship with God. You choose it and you work to build it day by day. Friend, don't drift. Make choices this year. Make choices. Decide. You will change this year. This year will be a different year for you. You're gonna to start to do some things differently this year than what you did last year. And so well I'm saying if you keep doing the things you did before, you get the same results you got before. Make some changes. What are some areas you could change? You could make some changes. It's never impossible to change. But it starts with a decision. And then another decision. And then another decision. In fact, most of life, the major changes in life come because we make little decisions over and over and over and over and over and over. Little decisions to say yes to God. Little decisions to say yes to life. In Deuteronomy it says this. I set before you life and death. Choose life. Choose life. You look around in the church and see some people seem to be blessed. Some people seem to be prospering financially. Some people seem to have God working in their life. They chose something. God's not partial. They chose to do something. They must have chosen inside some things you didn't choose. Why not make a decision and don't just drift? Don't just look at others. As We'll see what this guy did in a moment. When it comes to the next thing is don't limit God. Don't limit God. So number one. Decide, don't drift. Number two, don't limit God. Don't limit God. In Psalm 78 verse 41, it says, They limited the God of Israel. Now, in Psalm 78, it's talking about the people of Israel, God's people. And God brought them out. He got them saved, got them water baptized, got them filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he began to leave them, but he had a purpose and a destiny for them. He had some promises for them. God has promises for you also. Financial promises, marriage promises, family promises, promises concerning your work, promises concerning your life and your future. They lie ahead of you. They're in the word of God. God has things planned for you. Jeremiah 29. 9-11, I know the things I have for you, I plan good things for your life, that you might have a great future and look forward to your future, that's our God, great God, great future great future for us huh? great future for us, some of you are not too sure some of you are not too sure I'm not surprised you're not too sure Then not surprise me a little I tell you why, most people are not too sure it's because they haven't experienced it. So, so what we do is we build our life on what we've experienced before. Okay? And one of the things, so don't place limits on God. We'll talk a little bit about how this man immediately placed limits on God. Don't place limits on God. You can limit God. If you limit God, you limit what he can do in your life. Remember, although God is almighty he is, and can do what he wants, he has chosen to work with us in a partnership. Therefore, our part in it is crucial. And one of the things we've got to watch is you don't limit God. I have noticed with many Christians, Now I want you to think about this statement for a moment. I've noticed with many Christians, we profess to be believers, but live like a practical atheist. I'll say it again. We confess or say that we're believers, but we live like a practical atheist. Let me explain what I mean. We'll come to church and we'll say we believe God and we love God. But when it comes to the decisions of our life, we don't involve him and his words in it. We actually live our life as though God never is interested in coming in with power to change us and to help us. You don't have to live like an unbeliever. We need to live an expectation that God will work in our life and through us. And so how did this man, I want you to see the moment Jesus asked him the question, do you want to be made whole? He didn't ask him the question, do you want to walk? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want your life to change? And I want you to see the man's responses. Sir, I have no man. And when the water's troubled, they, no one to put me in the pool. And while I'm coming, someone else gets in before me. I want you to see four things about what he said there, because the man's response tells what's in his heart. First of all, how he addresses Jesus. sir. He doesn't address him as the Lord with unlimited power to work and operate and to change his life. He just calls him, sir. He's got no revelation of what Jesus can do in the life of an ordinary person. Although we can call Jesus Lord, we must live our life out of an expectation he can and is Lord and can do things through us. He can make a difference in our life. He said, sir, sir. He said, notice this. He said, I've got no man. I've got no man. Notice where his focus lies. His focus is not on God coming through for him and having a miracle. His focus is on his lack or the, he's, he's kind of got a victim mentality. So number one, he's got wrong concept of Jesus, doesn't know who Jesus is. Number two, we notice he's got almost like a victim mentality. I've got no one to help me. He's expectant or leaning on or he's saying virtually, the reason I am where I am is because no one come through for me. Now, there's a lot of people in New Zealand live like that. That's a mentality that limits God. If you're waiting for someone to come through for you, you won't take responsibility for your life nor lean on God to come through for you. And if we want God to come through for us, we've got to learn to align our life with him and lean on him with expectation, he'll honor his word. Not say, oh, well, well, you don't understand, I'm, I'm like this because of my father, I'm like this because of my mother. You don't understand the tribe I come from, you don't understand how poor my background is. Friend, all of those things are excuses. They limit God. They put a reason in front of why you can stay where you are. But they don't bring you into a place of enlargement. Well, I never had enough education. Friend, all of us have got something that we could say we wish hadn't happened in our life. All of us have got things in our life. We say, well, I wish that wasn't there. But you can't lean on it and blame it. He was wanting to lean on someone to help him. God's saying, I want you to change how you see life. I want you to see me, see what I can do. I want you to have a revelation of who I am and what I can do in the life of an ordinary person. An ordinary person. Not extraordinary people. See, that's a mindset. Oh, well, God can just use other people. No, 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 no. God can work and will work through you. But you've got to change the way you think. Number one, we need a revelation of who he is. Number two, we've got to stop having a victim mentality. The third thing you notice about the man was his resentment. I have no man. And, and, and when everyone else is getting ahead, I'm not getting ahead. There was an, a, a, a resentment and an offense because others had opportunities he didn't have. Oh, that's a very New Zealand trait, isn't it? We get resentful. and well, well, others got the breaks, or they had the chance. I never got the chance. And we're all looking around at opportunity. We feel jealous of what others have instead of seeing what we have and beginning to lean on God to help us through. And you notice the, 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 the fourth area where he had a limitation. One was his limitation in the area of, of who he saw Jesus to be. See, if you see Jesus to be way up there and not Christ in you, an empowering spirit enabling you to overcome You'll be waiting for God to do something in 2006. If you see the problem and the reason you're like you're where you are is because your boss or your background or this one and that one, you'll remain a victim saying, well, well, there's no one to carry me through. If you start looking around at how others have got opportunities, you'll be resentful and offended. Well, I didn't get the brakes like everyone else got. All of these things limit God. God is not limited. You limit him by an attitude or the way we approach him. And the final thing he says, he says, I got no one to bring me to the waters. Now notice where he saw the miracle coming from. He saw the miracle coming from the waters. In other words, his eyes were focused on something God did one place. And he didn't realize the Lord of the universe is right in front of him. A miracle is about to happen in his life. We can get so used, or we can limit God by having a mindset about how we should work. Well, God's got to do it this way. God's got to do that. Friend, God is not limited. God's got heaps of ways he can work. He can work through someone. He can work directly. He can intervene. There's a lot of ways God can work in your life. Don't get mindsets and attitudes that limit and hinder God working in your life. Begin to start to raise your expectancy. God can work through my life. And that's what the Bible says. All things are possible to him that believes. All things are possible to him that believes. He's not looking to an altar call to be the answer. He's looking that all things are possible. God can come through in any kind of way. I'm not looking to the boss to break through for me. I'm looking to God to give me the enlargement financially. Come on, you've got to stop looking down a narrow way to say that God is limited to work that way. God isn't limited at all. He can do all kinds of things. Hey, he can do all kinds of things. huh? He raises up ordinary people to make them great. He can raise you up and do something great in your life too. Can you say amen to that? Amen to that. Okay. So number three, number three, we need to position ourselves to hear personally from God. Jesus said to him, verse eight, Jesus said to him. Now, if you're going to have faith come in your heart, you need to be in personal relationship with God. We cannot lean on someone else's revelation of God. I say that again. Don't lean on someone else's revelation of God. You can draw encouragement from it. You can draw insight from it. You can be stirred in your faith by it. But, friend, every one of us needs to hear God for ourselves. We need to position ourselves so that we are hearing what God wants to say about our lives this year. How do you do that? Well, a number of ways you go about doing that. But, friend, it doesn't come. If you drift along, well, I'll just mosey along and see what God will do. You'll be surprised how little he does, especially with an attitude like that. God looks for faith. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro through the earth, looking for anyone whose heart is towards him. He can show himself strong in that person's life. Ooh, looking for anyone. He's looking for you. He's looking for you. He's looking for you that he can show himself strong through your life. Now don't look for some great thing. Look to move past where you were last year into something greater this year. This man was about to get a miracle. But you've got to position yourself where you hear Jesus speak. You see, his answer didn't lie in an angel doing something in the water. His answer didn't lie in a meeting with some atmosphere. His answer lay in hearing from God and responding to what God had to say to him. When Peter heard a word, Lord, bid me to come, and I'll come, immediately he began to walk on water, and there was a miracle. When the Lord said, put your neck down the other side, immediately he said, Lord, at your word I will do what you say. And there was a miracle of a multitude of fish caught. What word has God said to you? And if he hasn't given you a word and it's time to position yourself that you can hear a word. What does the bible say about that? Let me just give you a simple verse that you can just draw from very very easy uh, proverbs chapter eight verse thirty three to thirty five proverbs eight thirty three to thirty five. look what the bible says very clearly. Jesus makes it clear that everyone's entitled to hear from him. When we hear from him, when revelation comes, when we begin to see our destiny, begin to see things that God is saying to us, begin to see what God wants for us. Look what it says, verse 33 Hear instruction, be wise and don't refuse it. Blessed is the man that hears me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. So in this verse, God's very, very clearly speaking the need to listen and let God teach us. He says, notice he says, waiting daily at my gates. Now, you just don't have a prayer time once a week and expect you're going to get into a flow of hearing God speak. You must position yourself if you want to hear God speak. Fasting is a way you position yourself to hear God Praying, worshipping, and waiting on God. Spending time in his word. These are ways that we get to hear from God. We hear God through his word. We hear him directly speaking to our spirit. God is wanting to show you things you haven't even conceived of yet. He says, you know, he says, call unto me. I'll, I'll answer you, show you great and mighty things. But we've got to start calling. And we stick with it until we start to get the flow of revelation and life coming. What I found is most people quit too soon. Most people find they have a bit of a prayer time. They don't seem to get much out of it, don't feel God, and so they quit. Friend, develop a discipline every day. You'll rise. You'll have time in the Word, time worshiping God. There'll be some days when the Word will come alive to you. Other days, it'll seem a little dead. But every day, we can come before God with expectation to hear from Him. And then have a notebook and write down the things God says to you. If God's going to talk to you and give you some directions, write it down. Writing down says two things. It says, number one, what God says is important. Number two, I'm likely to forget it if I don't write it down. Well, write things down. Write down what God said. Have a look about last year, what you wrote down, what God said then, and how much of it's been fulfilled. You've got a chance to thank him now. So write down. Here's the third. The the next thing, very, very simple. Notice what Jesus said to him. Jesus said, rise, take up your bed, and walk. I want us just to go back into John chapter 5 again. And then, of course, the man carried the bed, and he walked and walked, and people began to talk and say, hey, here come you carrying a bed on the Sabbath day. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath day. You say, oh, well, someone told me, the one who made me whole, he told me to take up the bed. And uh, then go down to verse 14, and says, Jesus found them in the temple and said unto him, behold, you are made whole. Do not sin, lest a worse thing Comes upon you, or a worse thing comes to you. Now, notice what Jesus' question was. He didn't say, Do you want to walk? He didn't say, Do you want to be healed? He asked them the question, Do you want to be made whole? See, it's one thing to have a miracle, it's another thing to have a life that is whole. And what God is interested in is a life that is set upon fulfilling His purpose, His destiny, His will, a life that actually is whole on the inside. And so notice what Jesus comes to him and brings him a second word. First thing, he got a miracle. And now God speaks to him and says, now I want you to go and sin no more. Sin is a deceiver. It steals away God's best for your life. So here's number four. Confront the issues in your personal life that limit you. Confront the issues in your personal life that limit you. Confront the issues in your personal life that limit you. Now listen, that's part of not drifting along. How many of you know that there's some things that go on in your life, whether it be sin, whether it be habits, whether it be associations, whether it be things you do. And if you were honest today, you would say, actually, that drains away my life with God. It drains away me being my very best. How many know you got some stuff? That's what you need to deal with. Jesus says, go and don't sin anymore. He makes it very clear that the man's crippled condition was connected to some issue of sin in his life. And now he comes to him and say, now don't sin anymore. Don't, don't just, just presume on God's grace and goodness, but rather give yourself to walking wholly and uprightly. In other words, have a change in your life. If we want God's best for our life, we need to change. So number one, decide, don't drift. Make decisions what you're going to do this year. Make decisions what you're going to do this year. Decide don't drift. Don't just drift along with the crowd. Don't just drift along and leave these issues unresolved. Start to sort some things out in your life. Start to say, I want to hear God. Don't limit God by an attitude or or the way, well, we know God did not do much in my life. I'm not expecting much from God. You won't get much from God with that attitude. You've got to change how you think. Stop limiting God working. third thing, remember, we saw was position yourself to hear from God, because hearing God, receiving personal revelation is one of the major keys to being enlarged. The fourth thing was confront the issues in your life that limit you. Are there things you tolerate that you should not tolerate anymore? Say no to sin, zero tolerance. Isn't it an interesting thing they found in one of the American cities? They noticed that the crime rate of major crimes had dropped down. And when they talked with the guys, what had happened was they'd taken a, a policy called zero tolerance. How many know what that was? It's an interesting, it's really interesting. And of course, any teacher knows this one too. What they did was a very, very simple thing was they said, every little thing we're going to nail and nail it hard. And what they found was the unexpected consequence of naming the little things like graffiti, broken window, drinking in a pub. When they nailed the little things, a lot of the big things just went away. Isn't that interesting? Teacher knows, if you teach a classroom, you realize if you don't keep on top of the little things kids do, pretty soon you've got major discipline and control issues in your classroom. But somehow we don't apply it to our life. Nail the little things in your life, and you won't have problems with big things. Nail the little things. Start to get a handle on issues in your life that you've tolerated in 2005, but 2006 you say, no, I've got some changes coming up. Now, maybe it's a habit, maybe it's an an issue uh, that you do, maybe it's too much television watching, maybe there's things that you're choosing which you realize are just ebbing your life away, maybe just, you know, a lot of people come from marriage, counsel, marriage, help, and you look and they're making bad choices just need to make some changes. We need to choose to build their marriage. Choose to say yes to marriage and no to other things. And we've got to make choices if we're going to go forward. Uh, perhaps there's areas of, in the areas of giving. You want to, you need to look at the whole issue of giving. Whatever it is. Jesus said a very simple thing. Repent, change, because the kingdom of God's about to come upon your life. He said, God is ready to pour blessing out on you, but to receive it, you've got to change. So what will you change in your life or let go of in your life that will make some room for God this year? Here's the last one here. The last one is, and all of these are keys to our enlarging in this coming year. Last one is this. Make known what God has done. Now, Jesus did an interesting thing. He told the man, he didn't just tell the man, get up and walk. He said, I want you to take your bed. Get your bed up and take your bed with you. Jesus knew that when he took the bed, walking through the town on the Sabbath day, he was going to stir up a controversy. How many know that Jesus is a major stirrer? <laughs> huh? A major stirrer. And so everyone who saw the man carrying the bed said, hey, don't you realize it's Sabbath day? How come you carry a bed on the Sabbath day? He said, oh, the one who healed me told me to carry it. Who's that one? And you notice by the time he's finished walking through the temple and walking around that area, he's got everyone in a frenzy saying, who's this one that healed him? Who's this one that told him to carry the bed? In other words, he stirred up a lot of interest. And so one of the things that God wants us to do is whatever God has done in your life, testify about it. Tell people about it. Because the miracle God gave to you when you testify about it brings hope to someone else. When you got healed, tell people you got healed. Tell everyone who and even those who don't listen. It doesn't really matter. You see, what you'll find when you start to share what God has been doing in your life, you'll find two responses, people who are hungry and faith rises in their heart and they can be healed or receive something of what you've got. It'll flow onto them as you testify or alternatively, they react to you. One way or another, you get something out of them. And Jesus didn't seem to worry about getting them all stirred up. And so when you begin to testify, when you tell people, this happened to me, this happened to me, well, I was sick and I was prayed for and I got healed. I had a problem and an addiction and God set me free. Immediately, for those who are hungry, hope is engendered. It could happen for me. For those who are who got an attitude with God, they will manifest the attitude immediately. And either is acceptable. Don't be a politically correct Christian. Worried about saying the right things. Okay? Saying the right things. See, Jesus said a lot of things and people didn't like it. And sometimes they got angry and sometimes they want to kill him. But he still said it. It's not politically correct saying there's one way. But there is only one way. Whether it's politically correct or not doesn't really matter. It's still only one way. What God has done in your life is a powerful miracle. It's not to be kept for yourself. It is for you and for others. In Luke chapter 8, there was a man who was delivered of demons, and the result of him being delivered of demons was the whole city rose up and said to Jesus, we're scared of you. You're a creepy fellow. Get out of here. And Jesus told the man, go and testify everywhere what the Lord has done to you. And when he came back, the whole city was ready. And there was a revival took place in the city because one man refused to be quietened and went and told others what God had done in his life. Friend, there are people who need the miracle God's done in your life. They need to hear what God has done in you. You say, well, I haven't got much of a testimony. Friend, whatever God has done in your life, there's someone needs to hear it. There is someone there needs to hear it. The church is not all about one person preaching. It's about a body of people carrying the testimony of Jesus Christ, who he is, and what he's done in their life. Don't limit God. Don't you be the one who decides whether people want to hear it or not. Share what God's done in your life. You never know who is just waiting to hear that. I remember long before I was saved, you know, going down Napier there and hearing people preach, on the street corner. How many ever done this kind of thing? Now, I didn't want to get near them to show that I might be interested, but I was interested. And so you stand there and you're watching the window in the shop, you know, like you're looking in the shop, but actually you're really listening because you really do want to hear. And there's something going on in your life that's hungry for God, but you're just not ready quite to make that step. You still want to hear. And I remember standing there many times listening to people preach and maybe no one responded but there was someone who needed to hear and wanted to hear and eventually that seed found a root there's someone needs to hear what God has done in your life next year this coming year what we want to be doing is giving people a chance to bring their miracle bring the testimony of Jesus done get it on a video <clears throat> 2 minute testimony reason two-minute testimony is because two seems to be quite good time. It's not boring. If you've got something to say, say it in two minutes. <laughs> the other thing is if we give people a microphone, they forget, and they start to talk, and they talk all over the world, and they forget to tell people what God did. So it's easy if we get it on a video, we can edit it. But what I'd love to do this year is to get two-minute testimonies of people who have a miracle, something that God did in their life. Why? Because if someone needs to hear your testimony... Someone needs to hear how God broke through in your life. Someone needs to hear how your life changed. Someone needs to hear how God gave you a miracle of healing. Someone needs to hear how God broke an addiction in your life. Someone needs to hear. I need to hear it. I want to hear what God's been doing. I pray for hundreds of people like go home and no one ever tells me whether God healed or not. And I got to keep in faith. Think about that. Think about that. You know where the man was found? He was found in the temple. All those years when he couldn't go to church, the one thing he wanted to do was be in the presence of God. And when he got healed, the first place you find him after he's healed is in the house of God, worshipping, telling everyone what God has done for him. This year we want to have a lot of people saying what God has done for them. We want to get your test and get it on a video clip and then begin to find people who listen. If they want to listen, we'll find a way to get it to them anyway. There's always someone who needs to hear what God has been done in your life. His businessmen need to hear of business breakthroughs. His marriages need to hear of marriage breakthroughs. People who are sick in their body need to hear someone got healed. People who needed a financial breakthrough need to hear you were in a terrible situation and God reversed it. And now, look, you're blessed in a place where you can give. Someone needs to hear how you were lost and you got found. Someone needs to hear what God did in your life. This year, decide. Don't drift. Decide. Don't drift. Decide. Don't just drift along and let this year be like last year. Make decisions about what you're going to do this year. What is it you're going to do to deal with issues in your life so you sin no more in that area? What are you going to do to wait on God, to spend time so you've got a personal word and you're not going on someone else's teaching, living every morning off a television thing, living out of some book or living off someone's messages, but there's something inside you says, I'm hearing from God. God has been speaking to me and I'm walking in what God is giving me. See, there needs to be a positioning ourselves to hear that. And I tell you something, this year is going to be a year for many people when God is going to show you things and bring enlargement in your life. I have a conviction in my heart that for many people, there's going to be a new fire igniting your heart, a passion for the Lord. There's going to be fresh insights, God speaking to you, and there's going to come enlargement. The decision is whether you drift and hope something happens and a bit rubs off, or whether you decide opposition myself for what God is about to do. I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the good things, the wonderful blessings of 2005. We thank you, Lord, for many souls saved, for so many children in this midst that got saved, that got filled with the Holy Spirit, heard God, started to move in gifts of the Spirit. We thank you for multitudes of young people who were touched by various meetings this year. We thank you for young ones with great testimonies of how God did things in their lives. We thank you for adults whose marriages were changed, people who were healed, people who were restored, people who were delivered. We thank you for the great work which we did in nations last year. Lord, we thank you for your grace that took us to to Africa, that took us to Cambodia, that took us to China, that took us to the United States of America, that took us up into to Fiji, that took us into Singapore and Taiwan and, and, and various, other, various other countries. We thank you for the thousands that were impacted by Bay City. But Lord, we believe there's much more for us. We thank you this year as we, as we come into the 21st year celebration of Bay City as a church in, in this area. We, can't, we thank you, O oh God, for the, for the great work you've done over many years. But we're asking for greater things yet to come. We're asking for you to enlarge our vision. We're asking for you to enlarge our faith. We're asking for you to enlarge our capacity. Enlarge our capacity. Increase us, O oh God. So our faith is bigger. Our giving is bigger. Our sacrifice is bigger. Our serving is greater. Our heart is enlarged. Lord, I pray for every person here today and those who aren't here but get this tape, I pray, Lord, a spirit of increase would come and a quickening anointing that the increase would be quick. That suddenly there'd be an acceleration in people's lives during this coming year, 2006. I pray, Father, for family breakthroughs. For young ones who are causing such difficulty, who need a touch of God. Lord, there be breakthroughs. For marriages which are struggling. we pray for breakthroughs. We pray this year, a year of great increase in the supernatural in our midst. And Lord, we present ourselves and position ourselves to hear you afresh. Lord, as we come to you today, first Sunday, the first day of this year, 2006. We purpose we will not drift, but we will decide to walk with you in a new level. We purpose in our heart, oh God, we will not limit you by our mentalities and our attitudes and our suspicions and our disappointments and our past experiences. We'll not limit you, Lord, for for Lord, all things are possible to him who believes. Lord, we purpose, we'll position ourselves to hear from you afresh by building an altar, a daily altar of prayer in our personal life and our marriages and our families, so we might advance and grow. We purpose, Lord, that we will confront the things in our lives that hold us back and and limit us being so productive for you. And Lord, we we tell you today that what you do in our lives, we will tell others. We will testify. Of the goodness of our god we will ascribe greatness unto our god and lord we thank you in expectation of increasing revelation of your presence and power in our midst of the heavens opened up in a new measure of angelic visitation into the church and into families of the spirit of revelation coming upon many many people opening up dreams and visions and destinies of enlargement for this body of people, Bay City. Lord, we just honor you and give you all the glory. We pray you'll increase our influence in the city and region. We pray you'll increase our influence in nations. And Lord, today we give you the thanks and we give you all the glory. And everyone said, Amen. Amen you're here today and you've never given your life to be a christian never given your life to jesus christ this would be a great day to start the new year start the new year by making a decision i'm not going to drift i keep feeling like i'm drawn to these meetings i keep coming i don't know why i'm coming it's actually god drawing you make a decision i'm going to make room for god in my life i'm going to give Him the first place come up and talk to me about it afterwards or talk to another christian say hey listen I wonder if you can help me to take the next steps and walk in with Jesus. I want my life to be different this year. I'm not going to drift anymore. Talk to someone. Someone around will talk with you. Lord, we just honor you. Give you all the glory. Just as we finish up the meeting, why don't you just personally thank the Lord for all the great things he's done in your life. And maybe you didn't have great things. Maybe there were a lot of struggles. That's okay. God's preparing you for great things. Thank you for the preparation, Lord. I thank you, Lord. You've been building my character. Thank you, Lord. You've been building my attitudes. Thank you, Lord. You've been showing your faithfulness. Lord, I thank you. Can we just stand, churches, worship the Lord with this last song? Let's thank the Lord. Let's just express our gratitude to the Lord as we come into a great new year. A great new year. Okay, come on, let's lift our hands. Thank you. Thank Thank you
1: for the promises you made.